This is WRAL News, your number one source for local news. Today we learn North Carolina students will keep learning at home through the end of the school year. Thank you for joining us. I'm Deborah Morgan. And I'm Gerald Owens. Also new tonight, North Carolina has added 1,000 coronavirus cases in two days for a total nearing 8,300. We'll have more on the numbers in a moment, but first we go to Mark Boyle in the Live Center with news from the FDA on testing. Mark? It appears there's some good news in terms of home testing for the coronavirus, Gerald. The FDA talking during President Donald Trump's briefing about more testing coming online that people can do at home. Take a listen to the head of the FDA. And this week, as uh, the president said, we authorized the first at-home test by a company called LabCorp. This is a test where, under certain circumstances, with a doctor's supervision, a test can be mailed to a patient, and the patient can perform the self-swab and then mail it back and get the results after that time, all under the guidance of a licensed physician. If you were watching the briefing today, you may have been a little surprised by the amount of time. It was less than 30 minutes. Oftentimes, these briefings can go well over an hour. According to sources in the White House, several people have now said that the president has been taking some advice from some aides and going to be paring down the amount of time he speaks. He didn't take any questions this afternoon at all either. We'll have to wait and see what happens next week or over the weekend. If there are any updates, we'll keep you posted here on WRAL. Back to you. All right. Thank you, Mark. School buildings will stay closed through the end of the school year. Governor Cooper said today he's keeping remote learning in place for now. We have no decision yet on summer school or possible changes for the fall. The governor also revealed how he wants to spend $1.4 billion from the Federal CARES Act. Under the plan, $313 million would go toward public health and safety and more than $740 million for education and state services. Governor Cooper said his office is working with lawmakers from both parties to make this happen. A disturbing update on the impact coronavirus is having on senior facilities in our area. Tonight we learned of three more deaths at Lewisburg Nursing Center in Franklin County. That brings the number of deaths at that facility to 14. We also learned six more workers at United Healthcare in Harnett County have tested positive. That increases the number of infections to 56, 45 of them residents. Although schools will be closed for the rest of the academic year, teachers will continue holding classes online. WRL's Kirsten Gutierrez talked with teachers today about the announcement. She joins us live with her thoughts. Kirsten? The two teachers I spoke with echoed the same concerns. They believe this is the right move for the state, but say there's still a lot to work to be done to ensure that students have the right resources and that they're implemented and used correctly. Now, originally schools were closed to students and staff until May 15th. Now they won't see the inside of a classroom until fall. Charter School Teacher of the Year Doug Price tells us when he heard the announcement, he was sad. He said he won't be able to see his students and have that real goodbye they usually get before summer break. But he says the whole state, the state as a whole, is the right move. Now, Price tells us the challenge moving forward virtually is making sure everyone is on the same page and they can get the resources to students in need. How we are making sure that equity is at the forefront of every discussion that we're having. And part of the complexity in that issue is that equity in each district looks a little bit different. So for one district, it might be equity with technology, but for another district, it might just be equity in making sure that the kids are being fed on a daily basis and that they're still having access to that food. 
Now, when it comes to ensuring that students have access to Wi-Fi, Governor Roy Cooper announced today that they are teaming up with AT&T and Duke Energy, and those two companies are going to help by putting hotspots on buses for those students who do not have access. Back to you. That should help a lot of students. Kirsten Gutierrez live in Raleigh. Thank you, Kirsten. School staying closed has a big impact beyond online learning. It's affecting where and how families spend their days, and for young athletes, it means no practices, no games. WRAL High School OT Managing Editor Nick Stevens joins us now live. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Sure, anytime. Nick, the North Carolina High School Athletics Association officially canceled sports for the rest of the school year. What does this mean for state championships and graduating seniors? Yeah, so basketball state championships aren't going to be played now. They're going to be canceled. Uh, hopefully next week when the NCHSA board directors uh, meets, we will find out if they're going to award co-champions or if they're just not going to have state champions in basketball this year. Um, this all went down the week of the basketball state championships. And for the spring athletes, their seasons are really over before they really got started. They played for about two weeks uh, of the regular season, and now everything is done. There won't be any state champions for spring sports either. How disappointed are these student athletes that you've been talking with? Oh, uh, well, especially the seniors are very disappointed. Uh, you know, most seniors are, are never going to play competitive sports again um, after high school. So uh, it kind of feels like to them things have been taken away from them. Um, and I know that a lot of the coaches and schools and athletic directors are trying to do their own thing to, to make up for it the best they can. But it, it's hard to make up for losing your entire season. So hard. What about summer? What about summer activities? Any word on mm -hmm. that yet? Um, hopefully, again, we'll learn more about that next week. The Board of Directors has its regularly scheduled meeting uh, next week, and I know this is going to take up a big part of their uh, agenda. So um, I anticipate we'll learn more, but my guess is uh, just from, from everything we've been hearing and, and the guidance from the governor today, probably not going to have anything in the summer anytime soon. Um, but, you know, I think most of the attention now is turning to the fall. Yeah, so let's look ahead to the fall. Football, a big moneymaker for many mm -hmm. athletic departments. What would it mean if football had to be canceled? Well, uh, we hosted a roundtable this week uh, with athletic directors from across the state on high school OT, and this is their biggest concern because pretty much for every school in the state, football is the revenue that drives all the other sports year-round at high school. So if you miss football, you're losing a huge revenue uh, opportunity and they're losing some right now as well in the spring and summer. So, um, you know, without football season, I'm not sure that uh, high school sports should be in a real difficult position if that doesn't happen because that that is the way they fund everything uh, at the high school level. So it's not like, you know, you can hold these events without fans, really? Mm -hmm. No. Uh, in fact, all of the ADs we had on that roundtable discussion, all eight of them agreed from, and again, these are ADs from across the state. All eight agreed. Uh, you can't play high school sports without fans because it's the, the ticket money is what pays for things. And then they come in, they buy concessions, they buy merchandise. You're able to sell booster club sponsorships to get in front of the eyeballs of those fans. Uh, and those businesses that sponsor those booster clubs are a lot of small businesses that are really hurting right now anyway. Um, so you're probably going to see some of that money dry up, even if fans are in attendance. So, um, I would say it's not possible for high school sports to go on without fans the way it would be for professional sports, maybe even college sports, uh, because of the TV deals that they have. Such a domino effect. I know I played high school mm -hmm. sports, so I know how disappointed I would be if I missed especially my senior season. Nick Stevens. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.
State and federal health officials have acknowledged the alarming disparity in coronavirus cases among African Americans. We know the state is working to better track cases by demographics, but they say inadequate testing is a problem. Joining us to discuss this is executive director of the National African American Tobacco Prevention Network, Del Monte Jefferson. Mr. Jefferson, thank you for being with us. And thank you for having me. Your organization deals with tobacco use education and cancer disparities affecting African Americans. You have joined the NAACP and several other groups in drafting a letter to government officials. What are you calling for as it relates to coronavirus? Well, first, of course, as you mentioned, we have to do more testing um, so we can actually see where this problem is in these African American communities and in other party populations. And then we need to be involved in helping to mitigate the spread in these communities. And so we understand that you know the federal government and state governments are there, but our organizations that are there also, uh, we need to be involved in how to mitigate the spread of this disease. Why do you think there is such a disparity in the African-American community? Well, uh, the disparity is simple. Uh, the country has not really valued African-American health and African-American well-being uh, for centuries. This goes back, of course, to slavery times. And so at slavery, Jim Crow, the Civil Rights Act, all have shown that we really haven't valued African-American lives. And so because you haven't valued African-American lives, then you have African-Americans that have all these comorbidities that COVID is really kind of exposing. COVID is looking at folks with weakened immune system. It's looking at folks that might be in poverty situations. It's looking at folks that might be living in congested and crowded environments. And so that's where it's spreading. And so all these things are things that African-Americans experience on a much higher level. And as a result, we have a higher rate of COVID infections and death mortality. What does your team, at least in North Carolina, see as a reasonable next step? Well, uh, we like the testing, of course, um, but we have to make sure that that testing is mobile. We have to go to where these, these instances are. So we have to get our testing mobilized. And again, we have to provide the financial resources directly to organizations that are there listed in those communities so that they can help out. Um, we have to do something for education. I mean, if we're going to continue learning at home, we've got to provide free broadband internet support uh, to some of these communities because not everyone has internet service. Not everyone has laptops. And so we have to give some laptops where we need to. And of course, you know, a lot of uh, party populations, African-Americans and the like, are some of those workers on the front line, whether it be in grocery stores or in maintenance, trying to disinfect and clean places, we have to make sure that we provide paid sick leave to those that are risking their lives and provide COBRA coverage for the workers that might lose health insurance due to COVID-19. Have you heard from any politicians or health officials directly? And if so, what are they telling you? Well, yeah, absolutely. The Congressional Black Caucus reached out almost immediately, said, let's get together, let's talk, because a lot of the ideas that we have here and some of the solutions, they are right on board with. And they want to find a way that we can get our group. Uh, we had about 35 different organizations to sign on to the letter. And they want to get that group mobilized to lend their voice to the cause. And so that's what we're going to be working on over the next few weeks. Well, we applaud your work. Uh, Del Monte Jefferson, Executive Director of the National African American Tobacco Prevention Network. Good luck in what you're doing. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Right. Thank you. The anxiety of this virus can perhaps be felt most strongly in the hospital. Tonight, we once again check in with Ashley Wheeler, the Duke nurse who is providing us video blogs of her experience. Tonight, she shares her story from inside the ER. In this situation, it's a little bit extra anxiety inducing for the patients because they know they don't feel good. And then they have the added concern and worry and anxiety about 
the possibility of having this illness that everyone is so afraid of. Um, the patients are usually out of the ER pretty quickly once we know their plan. So we don't really get to follow up with them. A lot of times we have no idea what's happened to somebody. And we might hear down the line somebody that we were, you know, talking to, somebody sitting up talking. And a couple of days later, they had passed away. So this is very, um, it's just scary because you don't know which patients are going to have that bad outcome. So far, there's no rhyme or reason for it. Her experiences are so compelling. Still ahead, nursing homes and other facilities remain on lockdown with no end in sight. Welcome back to the Live Center. I'm Mark Boyle. A lot of new numbers coming in right now from Durham County, and they have seen quite a bit of an increase since yesterday. So draw your attention to this first area. 541 total cases, 41 additional cases since yesterday, one additional death. Now you see, I'm going to break this up for you. Yesterday numbers are below, and today's numbers are right here. These are in terms of the long-term care facilities. Take a look at this one. 111 out of Durham Nursing and Rehabilitation Center yesterday's number right here 97 so you can see how there is that increase they've been having outbreaks at those uh, assisted living facilities certainly something they'll continue to watch here going into the weekend back to you thanks mark and you can see why the lockdown at the long-term care facilities right there such as nursing homes is indefinite at this point the governor has not said when they will reopen which raises many concerns for residents and staff inside those facilities WRL Sloan Heffernan spoke with a certified patient advocate about the most grave concern. More than 100,000 North Carolinians call long-term facilities like this one in Raleigh home. They're some of our most vulnerable citizens. The patient advocate we talked to agreed that these facilities should stay closed for now, but keeping them closed creates another concern. Many of the facilities that we're seeing that are hot spots and, and have um, severe outbreaks were facilities that had problems before COVID. Board-certified patient advocate Nancy Ruffner says many of those long-term care facilities had issues with staffing and infection control. The current lockdown means family members are not able to visit their loved ones, and state inspectors are not allowed in for routine inspections. The lack of oversight is a concern. If they're already short-staffed and stressed and, and pushed to the max, how, how, really, how confident is the care going to be? Everybody is, um, everybody's affected by this, whether they're staff, owner, patient, relative, everybody is, uh, is affected and full of fear. Ruffner tells me she's heard from many families who are struggling to get updates from long-term care facilities on their loved one's well-being. She says it's important to find out how the facility wants to communicate with you so not to disrupt what is happening inside. Back to you. Everyone is full of fear. Mm -hmm. More than one third of North Carolina coronavirus deaths have happened in nursing homes. But the state isn't revealing which nursing homes are affected. A coalition of media outlets and the state's AARP chapter are pushing back. WRL multimedia investigative reporter Tyler Dukes joins us now live to explain what they found. Hi, Tyler. Hey, Gerald. So, Tyler, why is the state saying it will not release the locations of these nursing homes? So essentially, and we've been asking this question repeatedly at the state briefings with the governor and the DHHS secretary, 
what they're essentially saying is that the state is trying to balance the privacy of these patients at these hospitals with this public health concern of where these outbreaks are actually happening. Uh, we are seeing uh, other states, though, go a totally different direction. So uh, North Carolina really is, uh, is taking a different tack here. Tyler, why is knowing the location of the facility so important? Yeah, for a couple of different reasons. And this is one of the things that the AARP actually wrote to the governor about yesterday. Uh, essentially, what they're saying is that knowing the location of these, uh, these outbreaks, specifically at nursing homes, is really crucial to protecting public health. We got to think about that from the standpoint of the families being notified and also from the standpoint of the facilities themselves. In some cases, staff is working in multiple facilities in some counties. And so it's important for these facilities themselves to know which of these nursing homes are the sources of these outbreaks. I've heard some um, briefings by other governors, and it seems as though some of the other states are doing what North Carolina is doing. So is North Carolina's policy in line with what other states are doing? It's really a split. You know, what we're really talking about here is a federal health privacy law, HIPAA, that is supposed to protect patient privacy. But we're seeing states do different things. So, you know, Georgia, Florida, California, Illinois, Ohio, all of these states are releasing the actual locations of these outbreaks, in some cases, reversing course from the, the stance that North Carolina is taking right now, which is to not disclose the locations of these outbreaks. You know, Tyler, I don't have any family members in these facilities, but I can imagine that people who do might be inclined to try and get them out, thinking that they'd be safer at, at perhaps a, a relative's homes. Did, you, did, the, did the work from these uh, media organizations find any, any uh, evidence of that? Well, I think what we're really seeing at this point is, at least in the nursing homes that we're talking to, um, trying to put these infection control measures in place. We talked to a few that were specifically, you know, quarantining um, residents who were infected with COVID-19. And so they're trying to keep their residents safe as well. And so, you know, what we're really seeing is, um, it is a lot of fear from uh, family members and even from residents and really from the community that is really trying to figure out what's going on here. All right, multimedia investigative reporter Tyler Dukes, thank you for joining us, Tyler. Thank you. And you can find more on this topic on WRL.com. Still ahead, some neighborhood heroes give back ahead the Raleigh officers who helped hand out lunch today. TGIF had a whole new meaning for some students in Wake County this morning. More than 50 teachers and staff from Bryan Road Elementary in Garner took to the streets, letting their students know how much they love them and miss them. Honking and waving, Bryan Road's parade of love visited 14 neighborhoods in Garner and Wake County. The smiles from both students and teachers said it all. Boy, it sure did. That was great. A North Carolina principal is reminding the world that one really is the loneliest number. Look at this. It's just no good anymore since you went away. Tom Hatch leads the students at Terry Sanford High School. He created this video for his Fayetteville students who are all learning from home now. Yep, he's there all by himself. Though through it all, he wanders the empty halls, checking everywhere for the students and can't find any. And <laughs> Better not find any. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he keeps looking. 
Yeah. Yeah. Skateboard? Uh, yes, and I bet he would be yelling at the students <laughs> oh, on a yes. normal day that they're not mm -hmm. allowed to do that down the halls. Oh, but. yeah. Yeah, we hope everybody is back to school soon, for sure. We know many of you want to help your neighbors in need during this crisis. We have a growing list of links, donation needs, and ways to help students while they're out of school. Just visit WRAL.com and search here to help for ways you can lend a hand. Thank you so much for watching. Join us tonight for our late news at 10 on Fox 50 and 11 here on WRAL. Good night, everyone.